Okay, here we go now. Well, welcome to Old Dog New Tech, the podcast that explores edtech ideas, innovations, and integration methods from the experienced old dog side of things. My name is Jeff West, and I've been a K-12 music educator for 27 years, and I am passionate about edtech. I love using it. So let's get started at taking a look at how this can be used in your classroom. Welcome to episode 44. Jeff West here, Old Dog New Tech, the third part in my discussion skill fostering series. Uh, in this one, I'm going to go through the tech pieces that I have highlighted in the other two parts and add a couple more. Talk a little bit about the types of discussion, uh, asynchronous and synchronous, but I'm not going to use those words because I can, I can just hear myself messing them up right now. So let's get going. The uh, tech that I have been highlighting here, uh, Google Forms, of course, is probably a primary uh, t tech piece that I use. And if you haven't started using it yet, uh, take a look at it, get some question formats, you know, chosen. Uh, there's all kinds of YouTube videos on how to use it there uh, and all with different LMSs or by itself. Um, if you're not using an LMS of any sort, you know, take a look at Google Classroom or any of the free versions. You know, if you're, if, uh, you're not paying, you know, the sub subscription or maybe your district isn't yet. Um, but you can incorporate a discussion from Google Forms within just about any of those uh, that are available, Schoology, Moodle, um, Canvas, Blackboard, and all of them have their own uh, discussion boards, I guess, or they let you post a question uh, so that you could do it asynchronously, in other words, at a different time, not together as they have a chance. Maybe you want them to do a little research or post an image or a video or something. Um, the thought process here is, as we use these pieces of tech, that sometimes you have to do some uh, early preparation, but on a lot of these, it's very low preparation. Um, just put it out there. See what happens. Um, it, you do have to foster this skill. This isn't just something that because everybody talks, we think we can discuss. I mean, in, in any situation I've been in, I've heard good, good discussions, and then other times, uh, not so much. Um, just because I think many people aren't ready or comfortable with discussing things. So sometimes giving them the chance to do it kind of um, and, and anonymously, anonymously, there we go. <laughs> anonymously gives, you know, maybe a little more freedom. You put the, you can take the responses and even if you collect names and uh, email addresses, you don't have to put those there. Um, just more to get things moving. All right, so Google Forms. Uh, Padlet. Padlet's an excellent uh, online tool that lets people post and then respond to others' posts. Uh, you can simply put stars or thumbs up or ABC or uh, one through five grading if, you, if you'd like to do that. Flipgrid is another piece that you can do kind of the same thing, but you do it with video primarily. On Padlet, on Padlet, you can, uh, they can create their own things. They can find an image. They could post a video. They could create a video within the Padlet um, of them responding, uh, much like Flipgrid. Flipgrid's a little quicker back and forth uh, with 
uh, video post. And you have the opportunity, uh, as you're making your post, then to put on little stickers or draw a funny picture, um, uh, like a scribble over your over yourself. So that kind of speaks to their creativity. But for me, uh, Flipgrid, you almost have to have some of the discussion rules already determined. You know, everybody's comfortable in putting themselves out there and understanding that there won't be any, you know, ridiculing or, uh, uh, in, I don't want to say insult, but, you know, harsh judging. Let's say it that way. So, um but you can also have students put their opinion down so that only you would see it. There's that option. Um, Padlet, you pretty much see everyone's posts. And uh, so it might be a good one to start with uh, where there can't be too many wrong answers. Or maybe you're just um, collecting information. You know, show me what are your, what's your favorite foods, what's your favorite musical groups, what's your favorite sport? Um, what would you like, your, you know, in three pictures, what would you like this classroom to look like or be like? Uh, going back to the George Kuros questions about, you know, what are the things you see in, what, you, what do you want to see in your teacher? What would you like your teacher to be? What are your strengths? Um, you know, those types of questions um, can be represented in pictures just as easily as words. If someone wants to use words, great. I, it's up to you. You 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 make the decision. Uh, as Bob Ross says, I, uh, "It's your world. It's your world. Where what is what's happening? That classroom is your world." All right, tech. Back to it. Twitter, uh, Twitter broadcasts. Um, I think they sound a lot harder than they really are. Anytime I say, uh, I ask some colleagues or some students even, hey, would you like to be on this Twitter broadcast? Uh, there are lots of hesitancy. Gosh, what's going to happen? Am I going to be, you know, am I going to be go viral? Uh, probably not. But you're going to be there for everyone to see um, who wants to look at it. But more importantly, uh, you know, when you're making a video like that, even something kind of impromptu, even if they know the question, uh, there's a level of professionalism that I think everyone just kind of flips into that we don't always see in our students' work or effort. Um, even my own recollection of when I was in uh, school, you know, I did my work at my desk or at home, but if I had to stand up in front of the class, um, that was a, a completely different situation. So sometimes those that broadcast on Twitter is kind of like a, quick book report and they're going to be a little more business-like or uh and if they're you know inhibited by the whole thing they're there with other people you know their strengths and numbers and if uh, particularly if you the teacher are there on that broadcast you can kind of facilitate that discussion a little bit uh, and kind of help guide them through it again this is all fostering the skill this isn't a final culminating project um, you can handle it that way if you choose, but I find um, that it works better to use a piece of tech that is intimidating to people in a low-pressure situation, and and eventually they'll be comfortable enough you can use it in a quote-unquote higher-pressure situation. All right, uh, another piece of tech that I 
outlined in the other couple parts, and I want to talk to you a little more about it. It's called AnswerGarden.com. AnswerGarden uh, creates um, a word cloud based upon the answers, and the words get larger or smaller depending on how many answers uh, are the same. So again, students can anonym anonymously answer, and you can watch those answers to make sure you don't get inappropriate answers up on the screen. And this is kind of, uh, can be several, several uh, ways you could use this. You could do it to start a discussion, uh, ending a discussion to see how many, you know, uh, uh, almost like a little raising a hand poll, you know, you're taking a poll. How many of you agree, you know, here's four or five words, choose which one for you and answers this whatever question. And they can watch that. It's more interactive, engaging for younger minds. Um, they enjoy, my students enjoyed, uh, particularly when I allowed some of their silly answers to go up there. It, it, they enjoyed um, the humor and then seeing me accept the funniness. And then I would say, okay, but I'd like to know what you, you know, truly think. We can't really put some of these answers to good use other than let's laugh now. we got to think about the future, our ending. Um, you know, the in my situation, and I think really in every teacher's situation, you're, you're looking at the end goal, the end product. And right now is uh, answers can be funny, but we have to come up with some focus. So we have to come up with some... Uh, things that can, we can use to make our group better, uh, to get us in sync. Um, I'm referring to uh, Daniel Pink's book where he's talking about getting a group in sync. Is there a clear boss, a clear standard? Yeah, we goof around, but we come back. That's I think that's a skill that kids need to develop. I think they develop everything has to be fun and happy, some of them. And when it's not, they're not sure how to handle it. Um, and I think discussion skills are a major uh, um, skill, and they're key, rather, is what I was trying to say to their future. If they can communicate effectively and not fumble their words on a podcast like I'm kind of doing here, I get too many thoughts going through my head at the same time. It's only got one mouth, but I got 100 thoughts. Um, so Answer Garden would help you in, in many ways, and you can embed that if you have a website or you can just put it up, you know, on the screen. If it's not possible, if you don't have a screen, but you do have devices, um, I would say you're going to have to figure out how to get the, um, to get the, the screen probably on a website. Even if you don't have a learning management system, go to a Google site. And you can create a page and put that answer garden page, embed that right in there with some clicks and cut and paste the code. Um, if you're not sure about how to do that, um, um, you know, take a look at it on YouTube. Answer Garden has some pretty good tutorial, uh, a help center available that would, would show you where you click and what you click and then where you put what. Or you can ask a colleague or a student. Uh, at this particular stage in tech, uh, in education, there's probably uh, a few people that could help you out with that. Or send me an email, olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. I'd be glad to put that video together for you. All right. 
One last piece of technology that I mentioned, I believe, in the first series, and I didn't really come back to it, so I'm coming back to it now, Pear Deck. The Pear Deck add-on, particularly for Google Slides, allows you to put interactive slides within a presentation, which then you are also showing the students, and uh, they can click on a link, and it gets right on their device, so that then as you are presenting things and and um, giving them the content or the information. Then you click on the slide and it says, hey, draw a picture of what you've learned so far. Or it even starts out with draw a picture of what you know or answer those questions. Or um, there are different types of slides that you can insert throughout the um, slide deck or presentation. And students can answer that. And I did this and put it up on the screen. And there was one where you could drag a dot to the yes or the no, do you understand what a major scale is? And um, they were dragging dots all over and, you know, creating different kinds of, you know, funny things and bumper cars with them. But I said, okay, answer three, two, one, boom, and that was it. And uh, it gives you an idea of what they're understanding, but it also keeps them involved. And I don't, there are students, you know, that will answer that and say, I don't understand why these whole steps have to be in this order, something like that for a major scale. And of course, other students will say nothing, but there are other uh, slides that let them type in what they need to know, or you can use the question and answer um, format on Google Slides to let them send you a question that you can then come back to them with, either email or face-to-face, or you can just answer it generally in class, which is what I have done when there's questions. Uh, placed on there. I'll come back and review the content as needed. So between Google uh, Slides, the question and answer por- portion, and Pear Deck, you have lots of opportunities to foster some discussion, to start a discussion out, or for them to just very quickly and kind of fun gamify uh, on in your slide presentation. All right, so that brings us to the end of my tech portion of this. Uh, and my next section here, this is just going to kind of wrap everything up, um, put a bow on it, and uh, call this a series. Um, I hope it's uh, helped you out a little bit, um, or at least got you thinking. Um, you know, students want to do a good job at things, and I think sometimes in education, we get so involved in trying to meet the goals and the standardized tests and so forth, which oddly enough, do not do much for checking on their ability to communicate verbally. Uh, we make the assumption if they can read and they can write that their verb, their verbal communication will come along with that. But I think we all know that's not the case. So it's up to us to do uh, uh, a little work in developing those skills in our students. So um, you can develop those skills in your students and develop some tech skills very simply without too much uh, effort. And then once you get going with these or other pieces of tech, you will get more and more comfortable. And you'll notice that the interface from one piece of tech to another uh, is similar in many ways. There are a few pieces of technology out there I've found that uh, you really have to know their interface, you know, where the buttons are and where the um, resources are at. But most 
most tech is starting to, you know, put the home button in a particular place and look in a particular way and offering the same types of features. So you can get used to tech with these pieces and you can also foster those discussion skills. So what kind of dis discussions do you want to have and why should you have some discussions at all? Um, do a little research and you'll find that the cultivating of an environment where students feel comfortable and safe helps all types of learning to uh, deepen and enhances it. Um, I wouldn't say, for for instance, that having uh, a, a strong discussion about uh, any pop culture or something is necessarily going to ha help any particular uh, function of math or science, but it it's all works together. You know, when, when the students are comfortable in the classroom and work together well and feel uh, a belonging, then the brain is able to operate, you know, absent any fear of ridicule or, you know, lack of importance. So, you know, in the, in my time, there was a little more of, uh, a little more of the uh, pushing you hard to learn because you didn't want to be um, uh, uneducated or seem silly or you're going to have your best opportunity if you learn all of this stuff. And I think things have changed to a point where that's not always true because of technology, because you can get your education online or um, uh, virtually in some cases, if you're uh, entirely virtually online and, uh, uh, so the face-to-face -face schooling, although this is a mistake, I think, uh, is becoming less, for some people, less of a, a, a need. But I think they need this. They need the face-to-face, -face, and that's why I'm doing this discussion piece, because I don't see really any other way of fostering um, the face-to-face -face skills that sometimes we see di disappearing. Uh, people have a, a hard time in customer service, and uh, you know, there's that lack of empathy and discussion definitely will build empathy uh, in students. And they'll work together. And um, I've even started to see in my students, those that maybe aren't the best of friends or have disagreements in other areas, but they come together when it's uh, for a particular goal. And I think that's really very important. I don't think we should overlook the importance of that and developing that in our students. So, um, you know, discussion boards and learning management systems or create your own. Uh, Google has Google Groups, which I have used uh, more for uh, working with colleagues than with students. Um, again, because that's more online, but then you can kind of put your written word along with the discussion. So you can do both and do an asynchronous discussion and then come back and have a synchronous discussion. In other words, do it at separate times and then come back and talk about what the opinions were. And um, using a fishbowl type of discussion where you have your talkers, your people who are always raising their hand, kind of lead the way and let others see how it's done a little bit and follow along and maybe then it kind of feeds out into your group and they see the different methods of expressing their opinion. 
maybe if that needs to be done, if you have a, you know five or six, seven or eight students, maybe just two would be enough. Um, that will give examples and set the example rather for expressing yourself even when you disagree and having an opinion that's longer than one or two words that's stupid it's not really a, a learned or acceptable way maybe in the teen years but when you get to 20 or 30 40 so forth uh, that's not really an acceptable way to discuss or have a disagreement and reach a compromise and having a uh, multiple styles of discussion is going to help build that in your students and you're going to be able to foster it and facilitate much better than say teach it or dictate what's being said small groups and taking a quick poll is probably the last are the last two things I would say in the style of discussions that I would highly suggest you try. Uh, I think that transfers to most classrooms and teachers and students will be comfortable with that format. Uh, you'll be able to utilize pieces of tech like the answer garden piece that I put earlier or uh, you could do it with Pear Deck in your slide uh, presentation. Um, you know, I guess I'm getting all types of ideas in my head. It just really depends on what your students need. What, what do they need? Do they need to learn how to discuss? Yes, and they also need to learn Shakespeare. So try a discussion focused on the content you have to deliver. And even before that, try a discussion focused on the learning environment with George Kuros's questions or any other set of questions that maybe you already have and you use to kind of get the ball rolling. And don't be afraid to come back to those questions two or three weeks in or four weeks or even halfway through or the last week of the grading period. Take a look at those. How'd you do? Have a discussion about it. Students become more comfortable as the year goes on with each other and with you and will probably discuss things better than perhaps we give them credit for. Um, sometimes the disengagement we see in our classroom comes from the day-to-day -day mundane blah, blah 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 of the school procedure which is important but you know it does get a little boring and so we got to shake it up and come back. Come back to those questions and say, hey, how's it going? What do you think? Avoiding the yes or no question is a big piece, I think. If you ask a yes or no question, I would ask and have everybody raise their hand. How many think yes? How many think no? Just to get them rolling, get them moving. Maybe your students don't need that. But I hope that the pieces of technology and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the pieces of technology I highlighted and the uh, formats and procedures or suggestions I made in the first uh, parts one and two of this series uh, kind of get you rolling.
if it's a thing that you need to get rolling on, or if you feel you know your discussions are fine, that's great. Let me just make sure that that they are fine. Are you getting everyone's opinion in there? Do you see a growth in the discussion, or is it pretty much you and the other five? So we want to foster those skills so that everyone has that ability to communicate verbally. And it helps with the learning because I've, I'm hearing my groups play a little bit better. But most mostly, even if they don't play better, they can recall the information. And they're not afraid. I've had more and more students not afraid to raise their hand and ask me about something that they don't know. That was something I was noticing in my younger students is they would try and do something when we played a new piece of music reading it, but they wouldn't ask me about something they didn't know. And I could tell they didn't know it because when we got their sight reading it, they didn't do it. And I'd say, well, what does that symbol mean? How does that rhythm go? And for me, the reason they weren't raising their hand or asking that question is they just didn't want to bother taking the time. They didn't see the value. So what? So I don't get that right. And through discussion and through the use of tech, I was able to help them foster a, a better feeling and more comfortable feeling of communicating what they need because now they know how to say it and they know how to talk about it. And they know how to ask and they know who to ask. All those types of things that we covered in discussions and we shared with each other. I hope that this has helped you. Uh, this is the end of episode 44. In episode 45 and 46, I'm finally getting back to my interviews. It has been so difficult getting back. We had several days out of school. Then I had a few days out of school. And so I'm looking forward to uh, talking with the media specialists in our school and with the social studies teachers in our school. And, uh, you know, finding out where they're at with tech, but also their ideas or, uh, you know, just taking a look at some articles about things like digital natives, how the students behave with technology and how it's working in their classroom or not working. So take a, uh, be sure to check back for episode 45 and 46. Drop me an email. Drop me a review. Give me a review on iTunes. I hope, uh, like I said, I hope this is, is helping you. I know this can't be the most exciting but I, I, I have found in my 20 blah, blah, blah years of teaching, I have found that some of the most boring things to discuss or learn about are the, are, can be some of the most important things for the educational process. You take care now, and thanks for listening. This is Old Dog, checking out. This has been Old Dog New Tech with Jeff West. You can reach me at olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. That's olddognewtech10 at gmail.com. Send me an email or leave me a review on iTunes. And remember, when integrating tech into your classroom, don't try to be perfect. Just be patient.